0: If you were with us yesterday, we heard that Paul is on his way to the Roman governor, Felix. And so let's get straight into the passage. Um, It should hopefully come up on the screen. It's Acts 24, uh, the first nine verses. So it starts, Five days later, the high priest, Ananias, went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tullus. And they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. When Paul was called in, Tullus presented his case before Felix. We have enjoyed a long period of peace under you, and your foresight has brought about reforms in this nation. Everywhere and in every way, um, your foresight... Uh, most excellent Felix, we acknowledge this with profound gratitude. But in order not to weary you further, we, I would request you be kind enough to hear us briefly. We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect, and even tried to desecrate the temple. So he seized him. And by examining him yourself, you'll be able to learn the truth about all these charges we are bringing against them. The other Jews joined in this accusation, asserting these things were true. And so once again, we see Paul being falsely accused, becoming a common theme in Acts. And Petalus is the one who leads the way in these false accusations, with the high priest Ananias standing alongside many other Jewish people also there, joining in with accusations against Paul. But the thing that stood up to me that was, seemed distinctive is in verse 8, we can see how confident Tullus is in the case that he brings against Paul before the Roman governor, Felix. Tullus says to Felix that by examining him, that is Paul, you'll be able to learn the truth about all these charges we are bringing against him. So he's basically saying if Felix examines Paul, he'll come to the same conclusion as Tatullus. And we'll see tomorrow that Paul gets a chance to speak and what he says to defend himself against these charges. But it's not the first time Paul has been examined and kind of on forced onto the defensive. And need to explain who he is and where he stands on the god that he worships. And I think, for the most part, Paul does not mind actually being examined. He sees it as an opportunity which he relishes to proclaim the gospel of Christ, as he does again here. But the question I want to ask us today is: How do we feel when we are being examined? The idea of being examined can take many different forms. Are anything like me? Maybe the very thought of it brings shivers to your spine, that sinking feeling in the stomach. You think back different exams we had at school or maybe university. Maybe it reminds you of being examined in your workplace, maybe an interim review or annual appraisal or something similar. And then maybe that also that feeling of dread. Uh, well, over the weekend, I went on a psych ride at Trichard Park, um, which was really nice. And one thing I noticed uh, in the traffic on the A3, stuck behind a DHL van was a little notice that said, is this driver driving with respect? And I had the email address. So if the driver wasn't driving with respect, you knew what to do. Um, you'll be pleased to hear there was no issues with this van driver. But it just struck me, the van the driver was willing to be examined by anyone passing by if he wasn't driving well. And my question is, are you willing to be examined by anyone, not just on the way you drive, uh, but also just generally in life? Jago has asked this question to us before. If we are in a, a court of law and our whole life was to be examined, is there enough evidence to convict us of being a Christian? Quite a challenging question, and Paul's life was frequently examined, and we can see he's brought before the highest authorities in the empire for these charges. But if Paul enjoys this op- this challenge, this opportunity to share the gospel, I wonder how we feel when we are examined. It may not be with other with our workplace so much. It might be more with other people we know closer to us, maybe people who we live with, people uh, maybe our family, maybe close Christian friends. My question is, do we allow people in our lives to examine our whole lives, to ask ourselves difficult questions about areas of our lives we'd rather not address? I've been challenged over this year, while we've been in lockdown, to keep investing in friendships, to seek out maybe just one or two people to examine my life, to ask those difficult questions, to pray through stuff together. And whether they're here in London, we can go for a walk, or maybe they live elsewhere, it's just a chat on the phone. I would really encourage you to ensure you have people in your life who can hold you Accountable, It can be that encouragement, that support, that challenge. And also so that you can be that to someone else. So we can bear each other's burdens. Because now more than ever, we can know the importance of community. To so show we're not just hiding away in our homes, but allowing ourselves to be examined. We reach out to others to be intentional about allowing people to examine us and to speak into our lives. But as much as we need other people, particularly other Christians, to speak into our lives, examining us and building us up. How much more do we need God to search us, to know us, to examine us, speak into our lives? I've got a slide here from Psalm 139, the last couple of verses. Um, And this, I think, should be our prayer. Search me, God, and know me. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Maybe for some of us, we feel we have been examined, maybe in our workplaces or by fellow Christians. And we feel like maybe we've been found wanting. Maybe our lives have been examined. We don't like what we see. Perhaps we're scared for God to examine us as we know there's some sin in our lives we're struggling to deal with. Well, I want to finish with these encouraging words that Paul wrote to the church in Rome later on. If you, and if you're feeling maybe a bit like Paul in this passage in Acts, you're feeling accused, feeling condemned and charged with being brought against you. And I hear these words from Romans 8 where Paul writes, Who will bring any charges against them, those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Whom then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And may you know the truth of these words deep within you this day and forevermore. Amen. I hand now back to Ben to lead us in prayer.
1: Thanks, James. This morning at HDC Daily, we were encouraged to allow God to search us, to know us, to test us, and to see if there was any offensive way in us and so that he may lead us in the way of everlasting today find some time to allow God to show you any areas in your life that he wants you to address we were also encouraged that we were to pray for God's healing touch that we would know that our sins have been forgiven and that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and we were also looking at how Um, we can be open to allowing God to put people in our lives, to examine us, to hold us to account and to point us back to Jesus and that we in turn can support others. I'll finish by rereading the psalm that James encouraged us with. Search me God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen.